Blog Talk Radio. This is one-on-one with Jasper Cole, Hollywood's bad guy, and so much more. Actor, talent manager, producer, and more. Now he's sitting down with today's top newsmakers from entertainment, politics, pop culture, and beyond. This is one-on-one with Jasper Cole. All right, all right. Howdy, everyone, and welcome to One on One with Jasper Cole. This is your host, Mr. Jasper Cole, and we are coming to you live from Palm Springs, California, continuing our pandemic 2020. I think we're going into our third, almost our completing our third month uh, here in Palm Springs. But you know what? We're soldiering on, and uh, it's been an amazing time. Um, please follow us on social media. Um, I'm at Jasper Cole Says, S-A-Y-S, on Twitter and Instagram. Also, I have a Facebook page. Or JasperCole.com, of course, there's a link to the show, and it can take you to all the archive episodes and all that good stuff. Um, I wanted, without further ado, because first of all, we have a jam-packed, probably a two-hour show tonight. So I want to bring on my co-host, Mr. Ralph Cole Jr. <laughs> You sure do be sounding good up on the airwaves today, don't you know? All right, Catman, how you doing? I'm doing damn good today. Planet Earth, I'd like to say a big old hello to you and hope you all are faring well during our new times. And is Ralph there? Could you get Ralph, please? Let me see if I can find Ralph. Ralph. Come on over here. Somebody's calling for you. Wow. Jasper, hey, hi. Hey, Ralph. I didn't realize we were doing work for your voiceover reel today. Did you want to – are you are you trying to take our valuable time to supplement your voiceover reel? <laughs> so feel free, bitch. Go ahead. Just take over. Do you want to do a self – a self tape while we're at it. <laughs> Listen, I can edit it out in post. Yes, I I just did a self tape. God. <laughs> that's that's one good way to get one done in the pandemic. Just okay. call into a radio show and use different voices, and then go they back were... and cut it out. <laughs> that shit is hilarious. Jasper, thank you for this opportunity once again. Planet Eartha, hello and welcome. And like um, my friend earlier said, I hope you, you all are faring well throughout this time. There's a lot going on in the world, and we have to address it. Yeah, and you know, like Ralph and I say every week, we we, we want to do this show to bring a little you know levity and some fun and you know, not always so gloom and doom, but I, I think today we just have to start off by sending our condolences, of course, to the family of George Floyd. Um, I'm calling him the murder victim in Minneapolis who was killed by uh, a rogue cop. Uh, I, I'm sure everyone has seen the <clears throat> horrendous video that has gone viral and has prompted, um, I, I think, really needed protest across the country. So, Ralph, you know, we, we, you and I have been doing some form of this show for, for, for the last 10 years, in and out. Mm-hmm. And between the school shootings 
and all the police brutality stuff. And now we're in the middle of a pandemic. I don't know. I, and you being a black guy, black man as well, I wanted to, you know, get your perspective because it just seems like we are more divided, like we talked about last week, and more angry and just the the world is it, it's in a horrible place right now. So I know I we like to be you. about positivity, but hmm, I wanted to speak to you as you know, uh, an African-American man born and raised in Los Angeles, living in Los Angeles. Um, what is in your heart and mind right now about this, this time that we're in? Once again, my heart is very heavy. And not that I live my life with a burden on my shoulder, but it never escapes you. Right. The color of my skin is brown. And no, I haven't had blatant racism toward me throughout my life. Thank goodness. I I know I have been exposed to it, but what is happening right now is so horrendous and so scary. And as a black man, I have to continue to believe that I can keep going to the grocery market, going to federal express, going to Costco without incident. And so far, and, and, and let's just say a, a black gay man on top of that. So, you know what I mean? It's like, let's add in a double uh, minority here. Now, I, you know, the, the, the um, Watts riots, were you a kid? Cause honestly, sadly, I don't remember exactly what year that was. But living in, in Los Angeles. We were living on Adams in Arlington at the time. And so what is your memory of that? Because I'm thinking that prior to like the Rodney King, you know, riots, that must have been the first kind of experience you saw in Los Angeles. Well, I was five or seven then, so I vaguely remember it. I just remember the turmoil and just the confusion and just the violence. And once again, I wasn't adjacent to it, but I was close enough to know I was in Los Angeles. But like I said, I was... um, Six and seven years old. When right, that that's hard. It's hard to remember that kind of. But I'm you know, sure your parents, my parents would have. Yeah. I mean, I'm. They were, of course, proactive in protecting me and looking out for the well-being of our family because there was, you know, there's racial injustice once again, you know, and right. I feel protected in our home, and Rose and I are here protected, but. When something like this in Minneapolis happens, and I mean, if it weren't a black man, if it were any other race than a black man, I would still be having the feelings I'm having now, which is our society, for whatever input from all these different sources, is now um, feeling entitled to hurt and maim and kill and not be punished for it. And right. when we get to that situation, it, it unfortunately becomes every man for himself. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have to protect – I'm not saying to go out and buy guns, but when the police – does, when the presence of police doesn't serve as a deterrent for a community or for bad people, then scary times are now born. Right. Back in the day, if 
when you were on the playground, if you were having some altercation and you were like, Timmy, if you hit me again, I'm going to go tell Mrs. Edwards, that was a big thing. I mean, God, for, please don't tell Mrs. Edwards. Right. Translate that now to this day. Hey, Tommy, Timmy, if you hit me now, I'm going to tell Mrs. Tell Miss Edwards, bitch, and I'll fuck bitch. her up too. You and know, shoot and her. That, I'll sh- come and back shoot. and kill her. And that's why with that mentality now, you know, it's it's just it's very unnerving. And and, and when you pose the statement to me, Ralph, as a black man, how do you feel? I feel scared. I feel fucked up. I feel victimized. And yes, I want to be strong and I want to stand up for myself and for every other Negro out on the planet. But I have to protect myself as well. Right. And protect exactly. my mother. I mean, I have I everything I do in life is based on how is this going to affect Rose? You know, right. from the COVID, from you know, going out, making sure I wear my mask. You know, and n- the COVID I thought was just the penultimate problem our society could have, and now mm-hmm. we have the pandemic and Minneapolis. You know, it's just like the. You know, like we said a couple of weeks ago on the show, if a, or as is close as last week, if a pandemic is mm. not going to make society change, what is going to make society change? Right. And yet and, somehow the pandemic has been politicized to the point that the wedge has even further divided us now. And, you know, I, I'll be honest with you. It's like it's to the point now this police brutality situation you know, it's 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 kind of parallel, sadly, to the school shootings. You know, it's like it it we're we're getting numb to it, and we can't get numb to it anymore. And my my question is too, you know, where are the Al Sharptons, the Jesse Jacksons, the Martin Luther Kings? I mean, I there's some wonderful activists in the African American community, but either the media has not provided a platform. You know, we don't have those three recognizable that one main person that seems to be able to kind of galvanize and lead lead these protests and and be sort of like a voice for the the african uh african-american community yeah, and, and the other one and one of the guys go, we did have nipsey hustle was murdered so he right was, you know there you go yeah i mean there's so i i keep putting out on social media this week like Let's let's bring forth. Let's rise up. And what's great about it is, you know, it's 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 all, you know, Caucasians are rising up. Hispanics are rising up. We've all had enough of it. You know, it's like enough. And if if the prosecutors in. Well, here's the thing. Just because they prosecute doesn't mean they're going to convict. And that's been the ongoing problem in all these past cases. It's it's. On you know on one hand we can count like a few times when the cops have actually been convicted and sentenced to prison. Ninety um, percent of the time they are acquitted, uh, even after they're convicted. So I'm just want to put out there you know just much love. I think it's just so symbolic of like what you said. We have a virus running the White House. We have a virus you know, plaguing the country right now. <clears throat> we have this ongoing systemic racial brutality by the police. It's a racial have, virus. Yeah. And then we have the, the gun situation. So again, chain, it's all about change. I'm just going to keep saying, please vote blue, vote Biden blue. And if for some reason, God forbid, it's not Biden at the convention, you know, if it's a tree stump and a lily pad, 
just vote for it because we got to get that fucker out of the White House, period. Let me pose a question to you. What is a viable rise-up action, in your opinion, for the common consumer? Well, so like I was watching on L.A. News yesterday how there was a a protest that sort of took over the – they shut down the 101 freeway in Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. Um, they were going down to the federal – well, not the federal building in Westwood, but the courthouse, City Hall in downtown L.A. I really believe it, it, it takes us, the American citizens, to all literally come together and just march straight to the lawmakers. You know, it's like when, when people get upset at um, television shows and stuff and they always say, reach out to the advertisers because those, mm-hmm. those are the ones. Well, the voters, us, we're the ones that can make the difference. And if legislators will hear the American people and see, we're not going to take this shit anymore. You know, we're going to rise up and be like, we're voting you out of office if you don't start passing laws that will help protect our citizens against this kind of brutality and also pass, you know, better gun laws for uh, the, the rapid ongoing shootings that we have. It's just... I think sometimes because we've been so beaten down by this administration, they don't know. People have forgotten that we are the power. And, and I want to say lastly too, I want to bring up the wonderful, you know, speaking of Larry Kramer, the AIDS activist and playwright that we lost this week, you know, Larry Kramer, for a lot of people who don't know, not only did he write the brilliant play, uh, the normal heart, but he was the early, early, you know, one of the early voices in ACT UP in uh, New York City with Peter Staley and that whole group of guys. And, you know, Larry has been the loudest and at times the most, some people would say most obnoxious, but in the best way, you know, it's because of Larry Kramer that HIV has the medications they have, that Mm -hmm. people, millions of people are alive and, and that his play, The Normal Heart, you know, has been made into movies and, Broadway shows and Tony, Tony winning revivals. And so it's just, I don't think it's ironic that in this, this week of all this chaos that we would also um, get a chance to really reflect on someone like Larry Kramer. So I even feel like in the gay community, we don't have a Larry Kramer right now. You know, there, (laughs) there's something about generations since then that have sort of lost that. And I do think it may have to do a lot with, not being connected personally, you, you know, it's weird because on one hand, I guess we're all protesting online, you know, we're, mm, we're doing mm-hmm. protest, whereas back 30 years ago and beyond, obviously, um, it was on you the had, streets and it was in you your literally face. had to get in your face. And I kind of feel like I, I need some more. We need some more in your face rising up right now. You know, we got to see it with the, um, the Me Too generation two years ago in 2018. You remember all the women mm-hmm. that got, women right. groups that came together and they they rose up and they marched and it it really changed people's perception of sexual harassment and and and, and a movement started. So and a movement also started with Negro people being better represented in the entertainment industry. Remember how right. Jada Pinkett's Myth was very vocal about that, and 
she caused mm-hmm. the change as well. I use the term Negro Planet Eartha because I know that word. So as I well, see and also and also thing, you can use you can use that word. You're a black man, and 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 you take back the power. That's not a derogatory word. So. It's not. I I love, like I told you years ago, Jasper, when I found an application my mother had filled out, and under race, she had written Negro because it was 1967, Mm -hmm. and that's what we were called. You know, there's just certain things in life that, you know, call me foolish, call me naive, call me whatever. Just don't call me late for dinner, but (laughs) that that you can say to me, certain things don't bother me. Like, it's so funny how... Oh, this is oh God! I just got goosebumps. Like the PC police, you know, the political everything's politically correct these days. It's yeah, it's funny how one thing can change from one second to the next. It's like I was a Negro growing up, and then one day, my biggest my biggest dilemma and question always was, am I Negro or a Negro? You know, uh-huh. I never knew whether what to say. It's just like, why do we say the Bronx? And not the Brooklyn, you know, just things right. like that. Oh, that's true. That's interesting. You know, just quizzical things that you know came to my mind. But you know, it's all of a sudden when one day you wake up and say, "Oh no, no, no! You're you're no longer a Negro. You right. are African American." It's like really, or you are black, and I'm like, really? Where did that come from? I'm not black. I'm a beautiful shade of brown. You know, it's like black to me looks like black, like a keyboard. Right. Okay, that's black well, to me. It's the same way some people, like I know Whoopi Goldberg is very big on don't call her African-American because she's like, I'm American. I've never, I'm not from Africa. I never lived in Africa. You know, for her, the term African-American. And it's interesting as a, you know, half Indian, half Caucasian person, I sometimes, even when I'm like writing for something like a description of someone, I, I start to write, I'm 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 sort of comfortable saying black, but then I'll pause and go, wait, now, am I supposed to say African-American? You know, I'm just being mm-hmm. honest. It's like I'm so hypersensitive about what's the, you know, correct term or, you know, what should I use? So it's just funny, you know, how we well, all I have think, our, well, yeah. Well, you, the fear of being politically incorrect. Well, you know, I or think, offending no, I, or offending someone. Or, you know, exactly. Well, I don't know if this is offensive. I mean, I happen to know that you're part Native American. So if I were to address you like, Ooh, would that be? <laughs> I, you know, as long as you give me my my casinos and my reparations, I'm. Oh, I mean, if God. I can get some of that casino and reservation money, I'd be fine. So you can call me, you can call me uh, Tomahawk, you can call me Papoose, or whatever you want, because you know I'm all about the money. <laughs> okay, exactly. It's just like this is so racist, right? This is these are jokes that I heard when I was growing up, growing up as a young Negro boy. It's like <clears throat> I can make you speak Indian. How? Oh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but you see, look how look how really kind of tame and and mild that is when you think about it compared to like I want to quickly mention we we have a mutual friend and and she has a young daughter and this was just a perfect example where this week for the first time the kid is 9 years old and for the first time ever she was called the n-word. Now she is uh it looks very Hispanic. She's light skinned. Um, and let me back up. 
she I'm sorry, she wasn't called the N-word. A, 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 a black little girlfriend of hers was called the N-word. Now, this kid had never heard the word. She's, of course, it's never been used in her house. But she had to come home to our mutual friend and say, you know, Mom, what does the N-word mean? And so our friend had to, and her husband had to sit down with this young kid and explain to her that that's what that is and it's not a good word and where it came from. And it, it, what my point is, like, we're in 2020 and in liberal, quote unquote, Los Angeles, and this young kid in a private, you know, playground was hearing that word. And of course it always starts at home. It always starts with the parents and with the family. But, you know, I just think you and I try to be positive and we are positive. So in light of everything that's happening, um, we we are going to continue to produce our projects that we produce that, you know, shine light on, on groups that need to be represented. And it's a perfect segue because I want to let everyone know, as, as you've seen in our promos, our first guest today um, we have a wonderful Emmy-winning, multiple Emmy-winning actor, writer, producer, uh, Mr. Kevin Spiritus. And, he, for example, his series, After Forever, is an example where it was created from love. It was created from a place of being able pr- to provide a platform for those of us that are <clears throat> gay, gay and middle-aged. And, you know, we're not all – it's not all about 25-year-old hot gay guys. So – They've created this amazing series. Um, it won all kinds of Emmys last year. It's been nominated again. And I think it would be great at this time to bring on our very special guest, Mr. Kevin Spiritus. Hey, Kevin, how are you? I'm great. How are you doing, guys? Welcome Excellent. to the show. <clears throat> Thanks for having me. Well, we have we God. have to give you proper applause, of course. So, well, first of all, say say hi to my co-host, Mr. Ralph Cole Jr. Hi, Ralph. How are you, Kevin? I am very well, thank you. I welcome you most regally, um, <laughs> because. <laughs> I, wait, are, I, I, is this are you one of the, are you one of the um, Munskins? Um, yes, I, I am. <laughs> thank you, Kevin. Thank you for picking up on that reference. Yes, uh-huh. but we gotta yeah, verify right. you legally, girl. Okay, no, but listen, uh, <clears throat> Kevin, I we have so much to talk to you about. I'm just gonna cut to the chase and say that okay. your latest project, After Forever, I'm I'm getting goosebumps saying it, touched me in such a way. Um, that I had to write your producer, Allison Venor, whom I've worked with. And I know. We, what a great surprise that is. Oh, uh. oh, great. You know about that, Kevin. Oh, yeah. I, I swear what – oh, God. I just have total goose pimples because I binge-watched your entire season, and both seasons. And mm-hmm. I um, – season one, episode one – devastated me because I recently have gone through the same thing. And when you were lying in bed and just had that, just that growling guttural, why you just, Oh, (coughs) shuddering right now. You just made that. Well, you should let the people know that season one uh, after forever is about two men, two gay men in their early fifties who have everything, life, love, great 
you know, relationship, apartment, jobs, friends, until one day uh, a cancer diagnosis cuts uh, into their relationship and Jason dies. Spoiler alert, but if you haven't seen season one, shame on you. Um, right, so, yeah. right, right, yeah. No, thank you for that, yeah. And we have our dear friend David Dean Betrell, who's also oh my gosh, such a great part of, I mean, the whole cast. Your, your casting's yeah. phenomenal. Um, the Blanderson writing. And- Oh my God, it goes on forever. And you know, this is part of what I believe, like it's it's the beauty of being a veteran, you know, performer like yourself, like quite frankly, we all are, you know, the longer you're around in the business, you get to this point in your career where you're blessed to be able to say, you know what, I'm going to create something and reach out to the people that I want to work with and that I, you know, love. Yeah. I, I have to say, um, I owe all of that to my collaborator and my writing partner and head writer, Michael Slade. Mm. Um, And I don't know if you know the story, but Michael, I I had moved to New York and I was living there for a while. And Michael came up to me at the gym and tapped me on the shoulder and said, are you Kevin Spiritus? Because if so, I used to write for you when you were acting on Days of Our Lives. Oh, my God. I call I call that the universal crossing point because that's mm. when we were supposed to meet. We had never met each other before, and we struck up a conversation. And um, I, I, at the time, was very interested and, and, and dedicated to creating content that was personal and important to me. And I had kind mm-hmm. of gotten past that stage of, oh, my God, what if people find out about my sexuality or if I'm gay <laughs> or this or that? And. I just sort of went, I, if I can work on something that's me right. and personal and truthful and honest, then something's got to, something's got to be uh, moving or inspirational about that for me anyway. And right. Michael was very interested in creating a story about gay men of a certain age who are no longer on the creative canvas of storytelling. And that's mm-hmm. how that came to be. So I'm grateful. I'm really grateful for that. Well, like you said, there uh, there are no accidents, you know, that you guys were meant to meet when you meet, and so it, and also to 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 bring Mitchell, the wonderful Mitchell Anderson, who for a lot of yes. us know, we all knew Mitchell. I mean, we all. It's interesting because we all kind of our paths have crossed in this business over the years many different times, mm-hmm. but Mitchell had pretty much, you know. I, I always say Mitchell came to his senses <laughs> and, and, you know, kind of <laughs> like the rest of us can't do. And um, when, you know, moved to Atlanta with his husband and opened a restaurant and bl- blissfully ha- happy doing that. But he's such a brilliant actor was, did you know Mitchell throughout the years or Mitchell how did that I actually happen? Did, yes. We, we met, in, we met in acting class about, Oh, 30 some odd years ago. And oh, wow. <clears throat> excuse me, we were, you know, we were always friends and we always, uh, we would circle each other in the audition world and the casting <laughs> community. And, you know, we'd go up against each other for certain things and, and you know, we had never worked together except in class. And that was very early on. And uh, I, I was actually, <clears throat> I was actually at the GLAAD Awards the night that he came out publicly. Mm. Um, and I was part of a show that was being honored. And I just remember that night being such a, a tilt in my universe because I went, Oh my God, he's, he's doing it. He's, he's standing right. and he's stepping into his power. And, you know, I can tell you from that moment on so much of my world was about where's my power and where's my center and mm-hmm. where can I lead from? And when Michael and I were discussing parts and being 
you know, casting people. Uh, I said, what would you think about Mitchell Anderson as, as Jason? <laughs> and he said, well, wow. isn't he gone from the business? I said, <laughs> I, he's a friend of mine. And I just think this would be a great comeback for him if he wanted to mm-hmm. do it. And I really, I, it was more, it was kind of selfish on my part. I just wanted to be involved in working on a project especially this relationship. I know Mitchell. We're friends. We, we had a connection, and I didn't want to have to navigate through that in mm-hmm. a 12-day shoot to do a series. Mm-hmm. And we just, right. when he finally read it and said, oh, my God, I would love to, this, to do this, I was so honored and grateful. And I think, I think the chemistry and the bond and the connection that he and I have as friends shows right. up there. Right, sure. There was a, yeah. And, and like he's you so said, you, good in the show. He's so good in it. He's oh, so God. amazing. All I can't wait are. to meet him on the show, um, Kevin, because, yeah, you guys really, really, really so good. And then I was writing DDB, David, on Facebook <laughs> Messenger as I was watching, <laughs> you know, the different episodes. I'd saying David because David <clears> – <throat> had met my uh, my husband, and I was letting him know how devastated I was. And he goes, oh, Ralph, that's so beautiful. Thank you for your kind words. Be sure to watch season two so you can see how life does go on. And I said, oh, yes, absolutely. So after I dried myself up from season one, I began season <laughs> two <laughs> and did all of that. So – yeah, it it was it, it, it's a and, nice and let's journey. let's let's tell everybody there's some really you know great moments of fun and laughter in the show. You know, yeah, it's, it's not all just yeah. it's not all just horrible drama and, and, exactly and heartbreaking yeah. you know story, but it it there where there is heavy serious drama, there's the balance of lev you know it's levity of humor and it's really. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and David Dean Betrell and Jameson Stern and Finn Douglas, who plays Riley, the young yes. There's some funny stuff. There's some funny oh, stuff. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Anita Gillette um, has some great oh, stuff. Oh, she's and fantastic. Course, oh, my goodness. Katie, Katie Huffman. Yeah. It's just, yeah. You assembled. It's, it's so fierce, Kevin, because in these days. Oh, and times, I love that. Well, yes. I mean, because, yeah, serious, I, what, what I mean by that is because in these days and times, not pre-pandemic and now during it, there were so many platforms and ways to stream and which, which is very enabling and and it's very proactive for people. But as a result, there's just a litany and a plethora of just content out there. So when something like after forever comes on and you really get into it, it's just I just say hats off to you and everybody um, on from the top on down because well it thank was, you My, yes you you're know, welcome you Michael know. Slade and I Michael Slade and I made a decision once we came together and we we found our story and we found how we would tell the story and Michael has uh, more of a connection to part of the story than I do with loss. Because mm. just before I had met him, about two years prior, I think it was, he had lost his partner to this rare, uh-huh. di- uh, this rare diagnosis of this cancer. And, and um, I had no idea about this. And when we were talking about, you know, are either of us – I was single at the time. And my idea for a show was to look at how a gay man in his early 50s is going back into the dating world of today, mm. which is kind of crazy. But um, – <laughs> <laughs> uh, I had asked him if he was single or together with someone, and he explained this 
um, uh, part of his life, he had just lost his partner. And once we kind of figured out if he wanted to use that as a, as a, a story point, you know, um, and if he was ready to creatively work through some of that, um, the story just sort of came together. And when we were out in New York and we were looking, you know, to raise money, um, uh, some people said, why don't you just try and sell this? Don't, don't do it. Don't, don't, you know, just do the pilot. And you said it earlier in the, in the introduction that, you know, we set out to do something that is not done. And Mm -hmm. that was our intention. We wanted to be, we wanted to create this the way we knew it could be created and right. portray and, and, and developed. If after the three seasons, we've got one more season to go after the three seasons, if someone wants to come in and, and revamp it and make it an hour <laughs> long or turn it into a movie. Great. But at least write, we were a, able to write a big story the way we want. Yeah. Right. And, and I think our, our commitment to that and our, and our, our ability to hold on to that was, worthwhile and and eventually it paid off so mm-hmm. well yeah it's, it's ironic we we mentioned in the opening how uh this week you know sadly losing someone like larry kramer uh, um there's this sad a, irony to me right now for those of us that have that lived through and survived you know the aids crisis of the late 80s early 90s um on one hand it's it's amazing that gay men are living to quote normal age where they're dying from other things, you know, other than HIV now, but on the flip side, of course, the downside is we're losing people normally. So it's a, it's just a strange time. And I remember you doing end of the world party, the, um, the play play. with Jim J. Bullock. Yeah. In 1996. And that was the play that was being honored at the glad awards that year. Yeah. Yeah, that's the first time I really I had met you because I'm friends with Jim Jay and Robert Schrock mm-hmm. and that whole you know that whole oh crowd. My gosh, but Rob Schrock. but it's interesting, isn't it? How in our careers, like you were, I vote like for me, I was always a character actor. So if I were gay or straight, nobody really cared. Let's be honest. Um, but it's interesting when you're quote a leading guy like you are and like you were, you know, you always had this ability to. Theater was a place that you could really you know, like most of us stretch as an actor. And then you would have your TV career, let's say, you know, where you're playing the the leading guy that was not out of the closet. And you seem to have navigated all of that really well, you know, looking back on it. Well, thank you. I guess I, I I have to tell you, um, you know, there's that, there's that term that trans um, people like to use, you know, if you can pass, pass, you know, you're, 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 you know, and I remember, um, and Mitchell and I had a very long talk about this too, mm. because, you know, um, end of the world party, uh, that role was the first role that demonstrated to me how powerful I was in my work. And mm-hmm. when I look back at that time and, and the show was such a wonderful show and, um, uh, you know, it was very. It, it had a similar quality to um, Terrence McNally's um, yes. uh, "Love Our Compassion," Love but mm-hmm. we. You know, it was. It was a really great dramedy, uh, "End of the World Party," and I remember talking to Mitchell about how I. I used to. Okay, so if I go into a audition, I've got to appear as this <laughs> quote-unquote straight acting guy, 
And mm-hmm. then I got to put on the character on top of that straight acting guy. And where Ooh. is Kevin? Where's the tools and where's the craft mm. in here? So I remember when it came time to focus my attention on creating a, a great story. I said, well, no matter what it is, I have to do what I know. I have to create from where I know or what's personal to me. And Michael had some investment there because of course of his loss of his partner, but mm-hmm. we've all had loss. And yes. the story is it's depicted by two gay men. It's a love story. It, it happens to be a gay love story, but that's not the theme. The, the universal theme is that it's about loss, loss and people, right. no matter who they are, straight, gay, black, white, Asian, you know, not, whoever we are all, going to experience loss if we not if we have not already and um that's what i think is connecting to everybody mm-hmm. everybody's experiencing that connection to the material um across the board and do do you find now that you've got this like newfound love of acting not that i'm not saying you didn't love acting i know you had been doing a lot of producing and very successful theater producing and stuff but has it rejuvenated your love of acting in any, any, in a different way at all, or I never, I never lost my love of acting. I was just grateful that I got to create on a, you know, Personal. an acting world, this type of, of character. I, I had never yeah. been given or I hadn't yet. Um, I had never yet found this kind of role where I had this extraordinary emotion emotional range and ability to be um, carrying the show. And um, I mean, my heart is filled with what love has gone into this whole story, mm-hmm. but I will mm-hmm. say this. I, I know I'm a good actor. I may yes. be a really great actor, but I'm an outstanding producer. And if right. I lead from producer, <laughs> I know everything else falls into place. If I lead from actor, I'm kind of like, okay, yeah, I guess so. You know, I'm not, I'm not opposed to it, but I just, know right. if, I, if I have that hat on, I'm, it falls into place better for me. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I don't know if it's because I get to sort of look at all the, all the, you know, I get to be in charge of uh, co-creating something or I get to, you know, right. Michael and I get to go pick, um, you know, uh, locations or scout, you mm-hmm. know, homes or restaurants and then we talk about who would be cast in this role and that to me is exciting that's the yeah. real creative juice uh, that that stimulates me and and moves me and um but i'm happy to get up and sing and dance and and i know my mark and do a monologue you know not a problem <laughs> with that i know you're that. like you're like ralph you're you know you do it all you sing you dance and you've been You've been so fortunate to cross all mediums. You know, you you had your long stint on Days of Our Lives with our amazing friend Patrika Darbo. By the way, let's give a <laughs> shout love. out to Patrika. Oh my yeah. God, Patrika, who just got nominated for an Emmy uh, yeah. for her role in Studio City. I'm very proud of her, and um, love her. Uh, I'm I'm. I'm very grateful that we don't have anybody competing against her from after Forever season two because I would have had to be out. But um, you know, uh, well, and it, we, I have to also give a shout out to Patrika because Patrika is the one who called me while I was living in New York and said, 
get dressed. I'm taking you to the ISA Awards. And I went, oh, what are you talking about? And the ISA Awards opened my my whole vision to the world of of digital series digital, and web right. content. And that's that's how I really kind of got involved with it. So thank you well, for that. Well, I have to, full, full disclosure, I'm a producer on Bronx SIU, which is another one of the digital dramas. Oh, my gosh. And, such a great show. And, and, um, and, oh, I just blanked on her name. Your lead actress got a nomination. Uh, Shanti Lowry. Yeah. Shanti. And Bri- I love Bri- Shanti. And Brian White, so they've gotten two two years in a row. But what I was going to say is, like, to your point, like, I was sort of the same way. I There's such a a great community in the digital world, uh, like there is in daytime, too. But it's we're just so fortunate at Bronx. We we felt we were really welcomed in last year. We were the the new people on the block, kind of like After Forever was. It's a great show, and you should Thank be very you. proud of that show. My gosh, I was I'm I'm glad to be in company with that show. That well, listen, I mean, I, my, yeah, thank you, but it's just such a great group of. We've been having on, you know, Gregory Martin and people from the Bay and all the different shows, and Ralph and I keep talking about just as even as fellow actors, just how supportive everybody is, and uh, yeah, it's and a congrats, small world. It's a very congrats on your nominations this year as well. That just came out. Thank last you. Last week, thank you. Um, yes. So, everyone, if you're just joining us, we're being we're talking to the amazing Kevin Spiritus from After Forever. But we also, I want to go back and just <clears throat> let people realize that you started out, of course, on in theater, and was a chorus mm-hmm. line. Was that one of your first uh, Broadway shows? <clears throat> that was my very first Broadway show. Uh, I was okay. 18 years. It's one old. of my favorite uh, shows, by the way. Yeah, it's it's. It's to this day. It's probably still my favorite. Um, mm, yeah. There's a there's a handful. I mean, Broadway shows. There's apples and oranges. You know. I mean, right. Les Mis is so different from A Chorus Line, but they're both <laughs> amazing shows. And right. I love them both. But um, I was walking down the street with a friend of mine uh, in New York at 18, and it was a very different New York back in 1981. Trust me. Uh, you know, oh, yeah. you have to look both ways and. Um, my friend Jamie Torsellini. Hi, Jamie, if you're listening. Um, he he had already done a chorus line uh, prior to my getting to New York, and we were walking by the Schubert Theater, and I said to him, oh, God, I want to do that show someday. I really want to be in a chorus line. He said, well, they're having an audition. You should go. And I went, uh, how, how do you do that? And he said, well, take your picture and resume to the stage door and ask for the stage manager. And I I didn't know that's what you could do. And uh, the next day I knocked on the stage door at the Schubert theater and I handed my picture and resume to Tom Porter, uh, who was the stage manager. And I said, I I'm not equity, but I hear you're having a call. And if you think I might be right for the show, I'd love to come. And um, a week later I was called in to audition and I got, I, I actually, I was cast in New York to do the Broadway company, and then they sent me out on the road to do Mike Costa. And mm. he, thinks, he uh, thinks I can do that. Yes, yes. And I, I, yes. 
<laughs> well, I call it fake dancing because I'm a faker. <laughs> okay. I, 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 can, I can make it look like I'm a good tapper, but I'm really a faker. Fake and, you, uh, you have it, a beautiful yeah. smile. Kevin, you have a beautiful uh, smile. I know exactly. I'm boomeranging you. it to myself. I too, have been in, <laughs> I, I, too, have been in that position of having to tap dance. And it's like, you know what? You guys don't really need to focus on my feet. Why don't you look up at my ebullient well, face? Well, I, 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 could, I, could I could sell the number. And I did have a good round off back handspring back lad in the day, but, <laughs> okay. um, but I, uh, but I, I eventually went to, I went back to New York to do it on, on the Broadway stage, but it, it was, it's interesting. Um, during this pandemic, I have been clearing out a lot of closets and a lot of boxes of old pictures and journals and, and programs. And I have a bin here that's still not completely unemptied, mm-hmm. but, uh, I put on Chorus Line, the 40-year anniversary, uh, and I have been going through pictures and and digitalizing stuff and throwing other and I just it's brought such extraordinary, profound memories back oh. to me and to 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 actually take these things, no pun intended, out of the closet, out of mm-hmm. storage, and to ritualize letting them go because, in some level some of these pictures and these books, they've been in the closet and they've represented a part of my life. And I thought if they're still there in storage, that means mm-hmm. they still exist. Mm-hmm. But there was this kind of pretend going on in my mind thinking, uh, this isn't, I got to let this go. I got to make room right. for the new life. And mm-hmm. I have blessed these pictures of friends who have already long gone been long gone. And, and, you know, just my heart has, has, sung out with joy and, and tears and, and just song. And I would just, I just, it's such an incredible, incredible um, time in my life. Well, I love you, how you explain that. Oh, how cathartic. Kevin, are you still by coast? Are you, are you LA, New York now? Or are you just pretty much New York? Or do you still, still well, have your I place? In, in I L- live in Los Angeles. I live in oh, Los okay. Angeles. And, my boyfriend lives in New York, and we're we're figuring out how to get back there more. Um, and uh, I, I don't. I right now it's all up in the air where we're going to be. Um, but um, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm I just want to go where the work is, and I want to go where the yeah. love is. And and I and I know he's listening right now. So um, I love you, Anthony, and I will be there soon. <laughs> Hi, Hello, Anthony. Anthony. Well, you know, there's something – I've been together 23 years. The first 13 years of my mar- – couple, my husband worked in Phoenix all week. So I always said that there's something about absence makes the heart grow fonder. You know, there's something about the distance. Sometimes it's kind of nice, but, you know, that's just well, – it's always good it, to be it, together. It, yes, it is. And, um, you know, as as creatives, we – we tend to go where the work is, but it's also mm-hmm. where your intention is. And, um, right. you know, we're, t- we're trying to build a life together. So is Anthony we'll in the business also, Kevin? Yes, uh, actually he is. And if you are, if you are, a, um, if you are, uh, I don't want to give any spoilers away, but if you've watched season two, uh, Anthony actually plays uh, the waiter in episode one. Um, oh, where he uh, Jason's flirting with him. Oh, yes. oh okay. yeah, yeah. Anyway. He's uh, yeah, he's Anthony cute, Mike. but he's yeah, he's gorgeous. Uh, yeah, and, um, <laughs> and he's mine. Back up. That's right, oh, yeah, man. He's, he's, Back he's the an, fuck he's, up. He's an incredibly talented uh, theater actor as well. He's an amazing Shakespeare 
actor. Mm. Um, I'm always inspired and in awe of his ability to take that content and that material and make it make it Ah, watchable. Yeah, that's so exciting. Well, congrats to you guys. Um, Well, yeah, I know um, New York has been obviously on just so devastated by everything happening there. So, you know, everyone continue to be safe. And I know LA is slowly, I'm in Palm Springs now, but I know LA is still on lockdown or slowly trying to reopen. What are your thoughts? You know, it's so crazy. And being a producer as well, um, even thinking about how it's going to look when we all try to go back to either a stage or to, you know, a soundstage or a location. It's, it's, so much to think about. Yeah, it's kind of overwhelming. And um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> I think um, I think right now, uh, I mean, every time the news is on, there's uh, an, another extension of no work or not opening or mm-hmm. um, there's so much craziness going on with that. Uh, my, 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 my biggest, uh, I, I guess the, the the effort I try to make every day is what I'm trying to say is I try not to focus too far down the road there. Mm-hmm. I know there will be a day when we will get the okay to mm-hmm. go back to work. I know there will come a time when we will be given the opportunity to pick up where we left off. It may look a little different. It may sound a little different. It may even, um, it may even be uh, different than... Um, we've ever known it to be, but I, I know that it's just what it is. And, um, we have to be, we have to be, uh, flexible in this time (laughs) of, of pandemic and shutdown and, and self quarantining and social distancing. I think it's important to reset. I think it's important to go inside and to clear out, all the stuff that we know that didn't work for us and be open mm-hmm. to what can we're, I mean, we're on sixes and sevens right now. This isn't working for us. So right, right. we have to, we have to be prepared. And uh, my writing partner and collaborator, Michael, he's in New York and we're looking at things about season three and what we will do with that when we get ready to get back to work. And my producer, Allison Van Orr, um, she and I and Michael are looking at, okay, projects ahead. What's next? Mm-hmm. How are you going to mm-hmm. do this? What's, what are you getting ready? And what are you, what are you planting in the fall? So it's spring, you know, it, it's, it's full and bloom by spring. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what Ralph, it's amazing. We've, it's been in some ways the most creative parts of our career lately. So many projects have gotten, I, I often say it's like, we're all like a, the beginning of a, a race and we're behind the start gate and we're just kind of waiting for the, the pistol to go off because we've, we've kind of set up a lot of projects and stuff that it's been good that people have been sort of captive audience and open to talking and pitching. Well, and- I do, I do think, I think it's a very interesting uh, uh, point uh, that you are making. Here we are at a time when we are not allowed to do anything yet. Mm-hmm. I think I've been, probably the busiest I have ever been yes. because you know, when you're, when your office is at home, you never, when you're work. trapped. Yeah. You know, but, and I think, you know, everyone's got a zoom call. Everyone's got a meeting. Everyone's got a, a, a an online uh, showcase or an online um, 
class to take. And uh, the world's changing, and we're going to yeah. find out that we don't have to do so much as we did it the way before, but now we're going to do things differently. So Well, exactly. and I was going to say, it could be, it's, I think it's going to be better in some ways, you know? So, I mean, that may... Well, prayfully, something. prayfully it will be. Well, my problem is I, Kevin, I, I had, I had made jokes already about there's, you know, we self-taped so many auditions and I used to say, cause I'm old. I used to say now, if <laughs> I didn't have to leave my house to actually shoot the job, well, now you don't. I mean, <laughs> exactly. you know, there, it's, it's there, kind of, there are people kind of shooting at home now. Yeah. It's kind of strange, right? I, I'm not even, I don't even want to think about that. Cause then I get just crazy. I mean, I, <laughs> I look at after forever season three and I, it's already written and we're ready to go, but you're just, chomping at the bit, yeah. No, I just don't want to. I don't want to have to. I don't want to have to get together with Michael and re envision how this is going to. <laughs> right. Good point. Exactly. Be told the story is is if there's no pandemic, if there was no COVID nineteen, we we would continue on, and the story in its trilogy is quite beautiful. And, and mm-hmm. right. But it, obviously, we're not going to even begin. Uh, shooting this until next year, hopefully sometime, because we were supposed mm-hmm. to start after the Emmys this year. And oh, um, wow. yeah, so that ain't happening. That ain't happening. Well, one thing I want to say, Kevin, this is just going back for a second. I was very mm-hmm. touched by you speaking about the ritual of releasing old photos and journals, mm-hmm. et cetera. And as you're talking about, because we're all at home now and it's, a, it's focusing our attention on, uh, well, let us now do look in that closet. When we were working like we always were, it was easy. Well, I'll put it in first person. It was easy for yeah. me to avoid that because it's like I have to get out to the valley and I have to make sure my mother is okay. Absolutely. I, I know my lines. Do I have my headshot? Blebity blop. And then you'd come home, have to prepare for something else. You would never look in that closet. So now that we're here and doing that, I think for me, one of my biggest fears of getting rid of things like that, the old programs or, or, or the old, the great reviews, Kevin, that we've all, <laughs> oh, Kev, oh, Kevin Darling, was certainly a Never team. throw away the great reviews. <laughs> oh, always say that, bitch, you better go and scan that shit and then throw it away. Okay. Well, I got to tell you, I got to tell you, I had, that's what I've been doing. That, that was, that was the little bitty, um, uh, uh, rule, uh, um, uh, pact I made with myself, <clears throat> excuse me. I made this pact with myself. If I can scan it and place it somewhere and it's not taking up space, at least I can sort of touch it. But, exactly. you know, um, you know, I, I've kept well, we the family pictures. The... And, you know. well, but what we are we going to do with all Kevin the black for... and white, black and white headshots that we all well, some had? Of, for... Well, some of those are great. I, they have been recycled. Yes, scan them and put them in the, yes, <laughs> them them in the cloud. It's all about perpetuity. Listen, Kevin right. and Jasper, it's all about when we die tomorrow, we want to make sure that the planet Earth knows how fierce we were, goddammit. And that's <laughs> why, number one, we didn't throw away all those programs, journals, and headshots, and notes saying, oh, God, Kevin, I loved working with you in this show. I can't wait till we do it again. You saved I all that I have to shit. admit, you're absolutely right. It, it, it's a way of... of it's a way of securing your, your, um, your, your foreverness. Exactly. Uh, you know, um, Long, your <laughs> legacy kind of legacy. Thank you. Um, I, I gotta tell you, are you a Leo by the way? I'm just curious. I'm, I'm Aries. 
Oh, yeah. oh. But, yeah. but he's got to have a Leo somewhere. somewhere in there. Yeah. Uh, I, I think there is something to be said about uh, the don't forget me. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, don't, don't lose my number. Don't, 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 don't lose my file. You know, that type of feeling. And mm-hmm. um, I think there's a way that you just said how you would have to go across the valley and you have to make sure you you know, you never got to it. But mm-hmm. the the feeling that I actually have now is I feel I feel much lighter. Mm-hmm. I yeah. feel I feel less uh, weighted and, and not as cemented into uh, this um, this body and this ground. And I remember one day I was with my cousin and her daughter, and um, I was in New York, and I sat next to Shirley MacLaine at a show one night, and. Uh, after the show, I went backstage and I was still with Shirley MacLaine. And, it was very, you know, <clears throat> and I said to my cousin and her daughter who were in town visiting, they asked me what I did that day. I said, well, I went to the show and I sat next to Shirley MacLaine. And my cousin went, oh, that's really great. And her daughter said, who's Shirley MacLaine? Oh, I knew that was coming. <laughs> and, 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 I, and I don't say this to me, I, it, but it, it, it illustrated to me that everybody is going to not be known at some point. Yeah. And yeah. how... And that kind of gave me permission to let all that, like, oh, my gosh, um, you know, my foreverness is going to be, as long as people remember me and I can only be so, I can only be responsible for that for so long and, and you know, it's out of my hands. And, and so. in a strange way, you know, in a very strange way, good, bad, or ugly, the online presence, you know, that the footprint that we all leave online now is, and, and our work, obviously, but that's kind mm-hmm. of something that performers that not everybody has you know what I mean there's going to be like I said there's going to be stuff living on online and in our work that will go on forever so that's a different kind of legacy yeah Yeah. and hopefully after forever after forever oh my god boom boom okay yeah that that was a very good boomerang Kevin but you know and also (laughs) dovetailing on why we all save our journals and everything another reason was in case dementia sets in for me I wanted (laughs) to be able to remember or at least have somebody someone could read it to you someone could read read it to you at least could you please Uh, read to me how fierce I was thank you thank you Ralph I don't think you'll remember that's the whole point of dementia <laughs> well, God but, forbid you know. you're God forbid you're 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 gonna get dementia. But I oh. I think um it's an it's an important rite of passage, and yeah. I didn't realize that this was the rite of passage that was going to be outlined at this time. And it's a choice, and um I'm I, I'm grateful I'm going through it. Good, so. good, thank you. Well, well listen, said. we're the time is running out, but I wanted everyone to know they can also follow Kevin on social media, and pretty much everything is at Kevin Spiritus, and you have your website. I love that, and it's so easy. It's kevinspiritus.com. You know, when people have these yeah. weird, like you know, like tranquility underscore backslash dot com. <laughs> <laughs> well, but you know, our, it's interesting. Um, kevinspiritus.com is is. It's there. Uh, it, it needs to be revamped. But I'm 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 really pretty much I'm mostly found on Facebook and uh, Instagram and Instagram. After Forever the Series dot com is really where you can reach out and find me. And um, After Forever season one and two is streaming, of course, in the UK and the USA on Prime, Amazon Prime, and Amazon um, season one and two of After Forever is also 
a pay-per-view worldwide on the binge networks. So if you haven't seen season one or two, shame on you, go now, catch up. (laughs) And, and please know that I, I only want you to see it because uh, Michael Slade and myself and everyone involved, it's probably the most proud I've ever, we have ever been of something. And it's the little show that could, and it is, well, it's the certainly joy I find is. that it brings from everybody else is, is what really makes us more happy than anything. Oh, well, great, listen, Kevin. if you can, if you don't, if you can indulge us for a second, our next guest is a mutual I friend know. of ours. Yes. It, would you love? I'm can lovely. you stay on to say hi to our next guest I as well? Definitely say hello to him. Okay, everybody. Get Adam so, on there. Get, yes, our our next guest is from Call Me Adam, also bearing it all on the Broadcast Network podcast. Please welcome Mr. Adam Rothenberg. Hey, Adam. Hi. Hi, there everyone. You are. Hey, Adam. Hey, how are you? Oh, my God, Ralph, <laughs> Kevin, Jasper. It's so Adam. good to talk to everybody. <laughs> it really is. The Adam, gang's all uh, here. They, okay, we are. Adam, I, thankfully, I am. Yes, yes. Good, good. And I definitely want well, to piggyback on what you said about how everybody should watch After Forever. It is so good. I've watched season one and two already. Uh, it's fantastic. You have to have to watch it. Yeah. Well, thank you, Adam. Adam, Adam is one of our first tip-top fans. He's he's the one who jumped out and said, I want to talk about it on Call Me Adam first, and we gave it to him. And Yes. Uh, and uh, and Michael and I are very grateful for that. So thanks, Adam. Oh, Listen, you're welcome. Everybody else, you're welcome. Thank you so much for having me on. Kevin, thank you so God much. God bless you all. Stay safe. Take care and, 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 Kevin, and, thank you. Say hi to Anthony. Yes. We will. Thank I will. Okay. okay. Take care. Bye-bye. Take care. Hey, Kevin. Oh, hey, Adam. I just wanted you guys hi, to. Jasper. I wanted hey. you guys to be able to do a quick hello. So. I know. Oh, that, that was so nice. nice. And here's Thank Mr. You. Ralph Cole Jr. that love to continue. Hello, Adam. Oh, oh God, my. so nice to be opposite you vocally again. Yes, yes, I know. It has been so long that we have spoken, and I'm beyond thrilled that we get to reconnect in this way tonight. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Um, thank you for joining Jasper and me um, on tonight's episode and for dovetailing and saying hello to Kevin, who was a wonderfully spirited guest. Uh, and uh, <laughs> now we have you with all your expertise and all your uh, connections. It will be fun to laugh and talk with you. Yeah, well, I wanted I, I wanted everyone to know. So, you know, as I had announced before, I was so wonderfully pleased and happy to be a guest on Bearing It All. And at that time, we flipped the mic and we I also interviewed Adam. And I, my goal was to it, it wasn't a very long interview. So when I after I listened mm-hmm. to me interviewing him, I just didn't feel like it was it did justice to Adam. And so that's why I wanted to bring you on and give you a full you know, time period here because so basically we, we, oh, that's we'll, so cover, nice. we'll cover pretty much what I asked you before, but it, I just didn't, I, you know, after I listened to it, I thought, well, what was I thinking? I, I just, <laughs> I didn't ask you enough stuff. So we're, we, we love having you live anyway, as opposed to um, taped. So I wanted to, first of all, congrats, of course, on the column and congrats even more so on bearing it all. Are you, are you Thank loving you. Do, doing the podcast as much as you thought you would? Yes. 
I am. I love talking to everybody. I love the fact that it's there are so many platforms that the podcast is available on. You know, not not only the Broadway Podcast Network who hosts my podcast, um, but you know the fact that we have iTunes and Spotify and Google Play Music and iHeartRadio and Stitcher and Pocket Cast. I mean, all these platforms. It's just great, and and I get to release it. Um, to my platform and then from there it just goes to all these other platforms and it's incredible i love that well that's what we i found that out as well it's like you you kind of feel like because we feel like we're we're sort of in a bubble when we're doing our shows right and then when you see all the platforms and then it goes worldwide you know it's like wow and i you know i just love this intimacy of radio and podcasting and and, um, you know, now Ralph and I, we, it's 10 years with various shows together. Um, and, and, you know, he and I both, we came into this like we had never done it. You know, it was kind of like, mm-hmm. let's just have, have fun with it. So I find as much as I love my acting and my other stuff, I, I kind of really love, I think I love this sort of the most. I, I think I'd put it at the top of well, Well, also because I get to show like my real personality and I'm sure – with you, you're used to before it was on in print, you know, yes. in the column, and now people are getting to see your real personality and get to know you. To yes. get a true load of you, Adam. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I was gonna say. I was gonna say. I mean, your acting is, you know, you're playing other characters, but this is you and and who you really are, and and they get to see your camaraderie with Ralph, which is mm. just fantastic. And I, oh, thank um, you. It, you're welcome. And it's nice to it is nice to be able to show my personality through the through the audio. I, I mean, I did some I did also do video interviews on my website, mm-hmm. you know, that were on YouTube. But I do feel like the conversation just flows a little easier. And I'm not sure why, but I find the conversation flows a little easier over the podcast than in the video, because I also think during the video, I was so concerned as to, is the camera focused? Where's the yes. camera? Am I looking at the camera yes. enough? <laughs> you know, yes. does this shirt really show mm-hmm. my face well? And there were so many other things going on, whereas on the podcast, I just have to worry about, I hope my audio connection stays. Yeah. Audio. That the audio is good. And <laughs> just, that my internet just like stays tonight. Connected. I'm thinking. Right. Thing. right. Exactly. <laughs> but no, it's true. Cause like we were, we used to do our show. Um, we were on camera when we were at two different stations and it's almost like, yeah, the, having the camera there makes us a little more self-conscious, you know, as actors, we're, we're supposed to learn to just forget about the camera. But even recently I've been doing an audio scripted, podcast and I was sharing with Ralph like how freeing it is just as an actor mm-hmm. because you're not you're not aware you you don't have to worry about okay are my eyebrows jumping up here you know what I mean like you, have right, to, exactly. you can just literally be in the moment which is and I find that you know people people the the interview the people we're interviewing are I think sometimes more comfortable as well when I when I tell guests, sometimes they'll go, they'll say, "Oh, is this camera or just audio?" And when I say audio, they're like, "Oh, thank God." Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I get the same reaction. The same reaction. The only thing well, I do but, wish is that I I have to sit in my closet on the floor. So I mean, I wish I could have like a chair that I could sit in to be a little more comfortable. But what can you consider, do? Well, you've come out of the closet already, so you, you don't want to be stuck in the closet <laughs> again. You're like, "Bitch, I'm out." That's so, right. That's yeah. right. 
Well, what I like about this, listening to you now, Adam, because I've listened to you as Call Me Adam and now Bearing It All, is that it is fun for your listeners to just hear you out of your element because you're always the one asking the questions and having to be the ringleader. You yes. know, of your various segments, uh, you know, we're, we'll be back after this message. Okay, we're back. Uh, we are going to play this game that I've created, et cetera. So now it's great for you just to sit back with your beverage of choice or a little <laughs> snacky poo and just, you know, not be on the spot, so to speak. Because to your point and Jasper's point, it totally makes sense. You guys just corroborated what and confirmed the essence of human nature. We all want to look good, girl. So Mm -hmm. if you know that you're going to be on camera or that you're going to be seen by multitudes of people, there are certain things that need to get done here. Yeah. (laughs) And, uh, you know, and it's so, you know, when Jasper and I first started out 10 years ago, we were audio only. And then as the show got more popular and we moved to a different station, we were now going to be on air. And I remember at first I was like, oh, God, you know, I really like the radio thing because it allowed me to come to the studio. But what I just said, to my point, not having without to worry your, about without camp your eyelashes, ready, mm-hmm. without the lashes, you know, <laughs> right. and all of that. So and, and I could totally eat. On well, I ate on camera with the with the I ate bitch, with the camera bitch, too. you've been but eating I, for ten years, so it I was going to say I was camera say, no, I didn't eat when we weren't on camera, but I was just thinking, shit, Adam. I used to bring fried chicken and donuts up into that bitch. Okay, <laughs> oh, I didn't wow. even give a shit. We had oh so God. much. God, I remember one show. Jasper and I, I it might have been the one with Tony Sweet, and we were doing the our favorite songs, uh-huh. and it was we were doing a morning segment. God damn it, I went to fucking Hot Wings, Adam, <laughs> on Melrose uh. and La Brea. They open at eleven in the morning, and I think Jasper and I, I think our show was at noon, and I went up into that parking lot. I sat in my car. Wait, oh, that's right, because I had had an audition before for Dirty Talk. Hang I, on, Adam. It's going to be a moment. Okay. Go ahead. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So go ahead. I, Just, I, he's going to bring it home in a second. Go ahead, Ralph. I had gone to an audition <laughs> and then I went to Hot Wings and waited for them to open at 11. God damn it. Got uh-huh. my batch of Hot Wings. You don't have to went, go back. You don't have to go back and repeat. Just go forward. Went to, went to Sunset Gower Studios where we were shooting at the time. And had a lovely time on air listening to our favorite songs while I was having my hot wings. It was oh my lovely, gosh. Adam. Yes, yes. That's and I love that you brought up Tony Sweet because he he sort of, I think, was like my connection to both of you or you were my connection to him initially because I did an yes. interview with him years ago when he just started his uh, online radio, too. Oh, okay. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's a, we're all inner inner web connected, as they say. But, yes. But. I wanted you to talk a little bit like we we talked when I interviewed you about your growing up, you know, and your how you kind of always had a love for the arts and for show business, which brings you to today. Yeah. Um, Okay, so, yeah, I I grew up on Long Island in New York, about 30 minutes outside of New York City. Uh, I always wanted to be in the entertainment industry. I didn't always know how I would be in the entertainment industry, but I always wanted to work in the industry. I mean, I grew up watching TV, uh, um, films were a big part of my life. Uh, I was 
fortunate that my parents took me and my brother to um, a Broadway show, I would say at least once a year. I think the first Broadway show I saw was Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor mm. Dreamcoat, wow. which, which we all loved. And, and at the time, uh, Lori Beachman was, was the narrator. And I mean, now really knowing who she is, it was, I'm just like, so feel so lucky that I got to see her perform and sing. And, right. Right. Um, everything. Not, uh, Cause at that point you really didn't know who she, I mean, no, she, you know, I, mean, I was yeah. a little kid. I didn't really know. Right. And kudos uh, to your parents for escorting you to the theater, Adam. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. We, we saw, um, I mean, I also saw growing up, I saw me and my girl, which I remember we went with my grandparents and my aunt and uncle. We went for, I think it was like my grandparents' anniversary or something. Um, we saw Jerome Robbins Broadway. Oh, we wow. Saw, um, uh, we saw Tommy, the Who's Tommy, which became ultimately became my all-time favorite Broadway show because mm-hmm. I, I had no desire to see it because I was not a fan of the Who, but my brother was a big Who fan, so... For his, I think, birthday or graduation or something, my parents took us. And, you know, I had no desire to see the show. But by the end of the show, I was singing the music and I, the acting. I just, I, I loved it. I loved oh. it. Even though it's a very, like, um, serious subject matter and, mm-hmm. and um, whatnot. It, it did what I felt a Broadway show should do. And that is transform you from, from the minute you walk in until the end of the show. You have this experience. And with that show, I had it. So, mm. um, and then, you know, TV shows growing up, I mean, I watched, um, uh, well, of course, like the Golden Girls and Family Ties <laughs> and Mr. Belvedere and Webster and Facts of Life and Different Strokes. Um, Nick at Blossom. Night had the Donna Reed show. Mm. Um, Blossom. Um, I mean, <laughs> a- everything. And then, you know, Give films. Give me a break. Give me a break. Oh, yes. I mean, who who doesn't want to watch Nell Carter? Amen. Nell Carter, 227. Right. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. I, I, loved, I loved it all. I miss those shows so much. Oh I know. We, we don't really have – I know. We, it, it, you know, the 70s kind of had the Norman Lear thing, you know, that, that mm-hmm. quality. And then we kind of moved into the 80s with those kind of shows. And it, it's all cyclical, I guess. But um, I know what you talked yeah. about when you went, you went off to college – um, and you continued your your studies there, and you kind of continued your your love of journalism and and theater and showbiz. Tell yes, everyone I, about that. That's where that's where. Um, so I didn't I I didn't perform as a child. I mean, I didn't perform in public as a child. I would <laughs> run around the house performing. You know, I would be singing Gem and the Hologram songs or pretending I was you know, Superman or the GoBots or He-Man or Wonder Woman <laughs> running around the house. But but were but, you paid, Adam? Uh, <laughs> was it, I, I was, it was non-union. Okay. It, was, it was definitely non-union, although I will say my, my, my parents definitely fed me with treats and food as a thank you. But it was either definitely that, non-union. Either that or sure make you, to get you to stop, either way. Exactly, <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> But it was in college that I really um, spread my wings and I programmed for a year. I had my own radio show for a year. I actually had two radio shows. Um, one semester was a 50s and 60s show. And then the second semester, it was a 70s and 80s show. And I got to play whatever music I wanted. It was fantastic. It was my first oh. introduction to radio and I, and I loved it. And I, I do regret that I didn't 
stick with either the theater or the radio um, more than just that year. But in college, I wanted to try everything. So, you know, right. I could get a well-rounded experience. But I do, I do sometimes think, you know, in my quiet moments, if I really stuck with one of them, where, where would I be? You know, would my, what would my life have been like with that? Mm-hmm. But, well, um, you know what? It's never too, I mean, listen, if there's one thing we're learning during this pandemic, I, I think a lot of us are realizing, you know, it's never too late to try anything at this point. You exactly. certainly are. I mean, you certainly are in the perfect environment. You know, you're surrounded by other artists and actors and, and it's not brain surgery. <laughs> Right, exactly, so, exactly. I mean, you know, I'm very fortunate. I get to do my podcast. I get to have my website and interview artists there. I got to work at at Spotco, which was the number one Broadway ad agency in New York City. I got to work there for 13 years and and see the real behind the scenes of Broadway. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I ha I mean, in a way, I I am living my dream of working in entertainment. Mm-hmm. It's slightly different than I had it envisioned as a child, but. I just think if if I was just an actor or um, just a, a singer, I mean, I don't know who would really pay me to sing, but um, well, if I was just an actor or something, you know, well, I don't think I would have some fried chicken or something or a biscuit. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. They would give me that to stop. They would be like, just <laughs> take that biscuit here. Have another biscuit. Have another biscuit. But, um, <laughs> but no, I just think about like, I've gotten to meet so many people and so many of my idols through my website and my podcast that if I was, if I was just acting, I don't know that I would actually have had that chance to meet everybody I've met. Right. True. To your credit, all I'm hearing out of this, Adam, is what I think is so wonderful and noble on the planet that you are living your dream. You just Mm -hmm. said it. You know, you said from a very as long as you could remember from a young age, you wanted to be in the entertainment industry. You didn't know what facet, but it would be entertainment, and that's exactly what the fuck yeah. you're doing. And yeah. you made a Thank total you. name for yourself. Yes, it's so impressive. It's just like God, how nice that is. I mean, so many of us didn't we all like? I want to be a fireman. I want to be a scientist. I want to be an astronaut. Mm-hmm. You want to be all these different things. And I think Jasper, you wanted to be a baton twirler, you know. And well, just, and Adam <laughs> had seen the video, so apparently yes, that's yes, something you I'm, never forget. No, you know? and I'm, I'm getting ready to share that video with everybody. <laughs> oh, thank God! <laughs> Finally, my real talent is because yes. everybody listening, um, Adam does this great thing on his show. Um, I think it's at the end, the last question. He he says, "Tell every, share every, bear something that people don't know about you." And my thing was, people don't know that Hollywood's bad guy control a baton. But I have to tell you, Adam, I had to go. I ordered that baton from Amazon because I have not touched one in like (laughs) 40 years or whatever. But I swear to God, the video that you'll see, that's I took it out of the box and my husband, Dennis, was sitting there. And I that's that was the first thing I did just to show that it's like riding a bicycle. You really don't forget. So I I love it. (laughs) <laughs> but um, it's so funny because I've been seeing these videos posted, like uh, people saying they're not exercising. This is what they're doing. And mm-hmm. cut, you know, cut to like women in their like uh, short shorts and their baton twirling. They're like <laughs> 75 years old and they're in their backyard twirling their baton. So that's and now well, we get this hunky Hollywood oh. bad boy <laughs> twirling a baton. It's you so know what? Great. It's like, well, and I wanted to go back, like when you said something earlier about 
uh, how we envision our careers. You know, I think Ralph mm-hmm. would say this too. Like, I I thought I was going to be a sitcom star. You know, I thought I was. I think mm-hmm. I mentioned that I was going to be a stand-up yeah. comedian and whatever. But we all kind of sometimes end up where we're not expected to. But it. But we're still in the realm of the industry exactly. we wanted to be in. Yeah. Yes. Yes, I agree. I agree. I mean, I did stand up comedy for a while on the side of having a day job. And um, I mean, I mean, that's why now I'm sitting down doing a podcast because the stand up comedy doesn't uh, work. So, you know, but you know what? Listen, I tried it a few times. And don't you believe I mean, if you can, aren't you glad you did it? Because yeah, doing that is the scariest thing. It's so oh scary. My God. I just got goose pimples. You're so right, Jasper. <laughs> I mean, I, loved it. Again, I never got nervous. I loved it. What did oh, you, I got so, totally nervous. Did you, um, what made you, did you just say, I, I did it now and I'm fine? Or, or did, what made you stop doing it? No, I mean, if you want me to be 100% honest, I, I never, I never got above the bringer level at, where, and for people listening who don't know what the bringer level is, when you're starting out in, in stand up comedy, you have to like, you do these bringer shows where you have to bring people in mm. order to perform. So after doing, a few sh- after doing shows for a few years and having some of the bookers be like, oh, if you do a few more shows, you can headline a few more shows. Well, I did a few more shows and a few more shows and a few more shows, and I never got the headline. Um, <laughs> it just became more worrying about do I have enough people in order to mm-hmm. perform um, as opposed to then the material. And once the material started to suffer, I was like, this just isn't worth it. And I just didn't have the kind of, of personality to go to the open mics where you may not go on till 12 1 2 in the yeah. morning and and plus i had to commute, at that time in my life i had to commute back to long island i wasn't going to yeah. take the train at three in the morning that's just oh absolutely oh yeah yeah and it's stand-up comedy is like it's like its own beast it's like you really have yeah. to have a just a live or die passion for it you know it's yes. like yes all or nothing kind of thing but um I, but i'm me, glad i did it i have video of it and I I look forward during this quarantine to digitize them and um, scan that shit and put it in for prosperity. Now that Ralph mentioned that we're going to die tomorrow earlier, Ralph was like, earlier Ralph goes, when we die tomorrow, I was like, Oh, is it a when or an if I didn't realize that, but, well, I like to keep things up, you know, right, um, because right. as we learned from Kevin, um, you know, no need cluttering up your closet no more with that shit, because you know, I it, it, it's all a great thing. We're we're getting good things out of this, out of all this but negativity. You know, but you know what's sad? I mean, on a really weird thing is if you've ever had to when you lose someone, like we all have recently. I lost we lost a dear friend. When you go, when you have to go through a, and this was an older actress, you know, so, so Ralph, mm-hmm. to your point, when I was going through Norma's stuff and I found the old playbills and the old headshots and the whole stuff, it's like, I, it, it was so hard for me. I, I had to throw a lot, most of that out because mm-hmm. it, there was nothing else we could do with it. Do you know what I mean? Right. The old, the old v, VHS demo reels and stuff like oh that. My God. Mm-hmm. And I was yeah. sitting there thinking, you know, she's okay. She would be fine with me letting this go. I mean, I, I offered it out to friends and family, but I, I'm just saying in that moment, I remember standing there going, especially as an actor myself, knowing that I've got 17 boxes in storage, you know, <laughs> of the same stuff. And somebody's going to one day probably have to sit there and 
Fred overthrow or right. not Fred. Oh my God. Yeah. Well, forget Jasper on Matlock. You know, so it is- <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't that far back. I just I had this conversation with my mom, actually, who's, who's right. listening. I mean, like literally a week or two ago, I called her and I was having a moment and I was like, you know, trying to, to get rid of things and, and whatnot. And I was like, I mean, if I don't get rid of it now, it's, who, I mean, somebody will come in here and get rid of it. I said, I don't know. This is the part she didn't like. I said, I don't know who that will be because nobody's going to be here when I die. Because I was like, you guys will already be gone. Who knows where my brother will be? I don't know if my boyfriend will still be alive when I'm ready to go. You know, who knows? Right. It's like, sure. who's going who's gonna, to who's gonna even do it? And then it'll probably be some stranger and they'll just be like, they won't know anything. And then there goes everything. And well, and so, and you're my, you're, I'm not depressing. No, well, no, you're younger. You're younger than Ralph and I, but I knew, I know from the first time I met you, you are kind of an old soul. And I mean that mm-hmm. in a, in a complimentary way. You yes. Know, yes. You are a deep thinker and you're an older soul. And so I, I understand what you're saying. And because we're, Ralph and I are, we are at the age and we've experienced, you know, we think about stuff like that too. Like mm-hmm. as, especially as gay men, even though, you know, I'm married and stuff, but it's, we all think sometimes maybe since we don't have kids at this point, um, you know, who will be there. But right. as I used to exactly. tell Ralph, I used to tell Ralph all the time, listen, when you live a good life and you're good to people and you have good karma, there will be somebody there. To yeah. Take. Like they say in Chicago, when you're good to mama. Mama's, Mama's good, good to you. To you. Mama's good to you. <laughs> yes, because I'm still doing my voiceover demo. Now, listen, Adam, this is what I have to say to you. <clears throat> yeah. First of all, what is your mother's name? Reva. Reva. Hey, girl. Thank you for listening to our show. My mother is Rose. And, your mother is Reva. Yes, I love all the pictures you post of your mom on Instagram. Oh, thank you. Well, what I wanted to say and just laugh with you um, is as you were talking about when you were talking to your mom the other day about, well, you know, mom, who's going to be there for me? Because you're not going to be here. You know, my brother, who can count on him? My boyfriend, who knows if he'll be alive? And all I could think of is Reva's just listening, going, oh, God, I raised such a happy child. (laughs) 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 But, you know, to everybody's point here, um, and to what you were saying, Jasper, about going through Norma stuff and, you know, holding a playbill or holding some program and weighing it and put each hand going, okay, throw it away, keep it, scan it, put it in the cloud. What am I going to right. do? Your point is so very, very well taken. And I believe this planet Eartha and Adam is, and I learned this by going through it with my own family. When the person is alive, that shit is ultra important. Mm-hmm, they are mm-hmm. put in safe deposit boxes. They are put in lock safes. They are in accordion file folders that are labeled accordingly and bound. They are top secret. When the person dies, that stuff immediately becomes moot. Mm-hmm, right. and I realize going through my grandmother's stuff, for example, what a wonderful black pioneer woman. She, she was a Rosie the, the Riveter. Um, Jasper, mm. I, I oh, wow. But going through all her stuff that was so meticulously labeled and organized, valuable family, family, family papers and all of that, that was just so ultimately important. And now I was putting it one by one through a shredder. I just mm-hmm. thought, 
God, this is the weirdest feeling. At one point on this planet Earth, this paper, this diploma was the most important thing in my grandmother's life. And now, all these years later, her grandson is putting it in a shredder. And I just thought, and, and I'm saying all that to say that it's wonderful when we are alive and then mm-hmm. once we die, it does have to go. But through the cloud and through different <clears throat> perpetuity devices, it's nice to know. It, like for you, Jasper, when you were, I was going to say, it's nice to know that we will be remembered. And somebody mm-hmm. will go, oh, God, that guy, Adam, call me Adam. I call me Madam. I remember him, yes. <laughs> you know, or Jasper, when you went through Norma's thing, and was going through her stuff, and you found some old playbill when she was all young back in her heyday, and you were able to go, oh, wow, Norm, I remember when you told me the story, and then you put it in the trash. And I was going to say, and then it went, and the shredder ate it. But yeah, you still have the memory, so why do exactly. you need the physical thing? Exactly. So, Ralph, I, yeah. so Ralph, Ralph, once this is all over and we can get together, since I've not been invited to your house yet, so when I finally come to your house, <laughs> we're going to have a shredding party, but I'm going to bring all my old playbills, and you're going to pull out all your shit. Why don't we shred it now so we don't have to worry about someone doing it Somebody else doing down it the line? I know exactly what you're saying because, you know, I was saying to you the other day, like, in, we're being all so creative now. And, you know, I, I've written three sitcoms, girl. So, you know, it is like, <laughs> you know. In, in your head, yeah. In my, in my head, shit. I'm a have, another, have another edible and go listen, do it. <laughs> listen, I'm a series regular in my head. Oh, wait, in one of them I actually do just recur. Okay, right. okay. But whatever. <laughs> um. um Part of the being creative is now what Kevin Spiritus was saying is now going through files and things. And you know what? It has now just got to go, you know, because I'm going through that with Michael's stuff. It's like Michael's my husband who passed away, Adam. I'm like, I'm sorry. Well, thank you. It's been 20 since 2018, November now, Jasper. And I'm like, some of the things are still the way they were when Michael Mm -hmm. was here. Like, I've never moved it. And I was like, oh, my God, how much longer am I going to do that? And I know I have that capability in my system. That's why I want to be careful. Like, and this is a great conversation we're all having, is let that shit go and keep things in your memory for perpetuity because all this materialistic stuff and holding on to a bond, whatever you're holding on to, you know, there's certain things you'll keep for sentimental, but – let it go, and it will make you feel so light. Yeah. Well, listen, guys, the time is – we have our next guest, uh, uh, writer Bill Jankowski, who is waiting to get on. So, Adam, I want everyone <laughs> to know that they can follow you. Um, everything is pretty much uh, call me Adam NYC. And tell everyone, is that the best place to find your podcast? Let everyone know uh, where they can find that. My, yes, my podcast you can find at – broadwaypodcastnetwork.com and then um, forward slash bearing it all or you can follow me on social media like Jasper just said at callmeadamnyc you can go to my website callmeadam.com and you can get to my podcast from there as well and the podcast is available on on wherever podcasts are streamed and the podcast is bearing it all with call me adam and everyone, I'm going to be putting the short interview that I did with Adam on actually my website on the 
one-on-one with Jasper Cole, but I'm, I wanted, I'm so glad that we oh, did this you. instead and that we got a full great amount of time with you. Thank you, Adam, for all your support of my career and Ralph's career and all the other artists that you support. And we're always here for you. Please come back oh. anytime. Thank you. And you're okay. welcome. I'm always happy to support both of you. And, and oh. thank you for having me. Just and real say hi. Me. Yeah. Oh, go on, Jasper. No, I was just going to say, say hi to the family and to your boyfriend and, and, and good luck with the, the moving in together. And we didn't get Thanks. into all of that yet, but we'll, we'll do that next time. Okay. Terrific. Terrific. And I enjoyed your interview last week with Scott Turner Schofield, who was wonderful. Oh, oh thank fantastic. you. Thank yeah. you. Yes. Yes. He's the best. I love him so much. Everyone up. check out, got- check out Studio City because he has an episode in Studio oh. City, everyone, where he's at a, a group meeting. We won't give it away, but there's a, he's Emmy nominated. And I'm, I'm sure it's for that that scene but yeah talk about about heartbreak and tearjerker oh my god he is amazing so well adam thank you so much stay safe and we'll we'll be talking soon thank you so much yes thank you well ralph we this has been our we we used to do a two-hour show you remember back in the day Yes, and it flies by. Yeah, so we at this point we are going to bring. We are so happy because it's certainly uh, last, but it's not least. That's for sure. We are going to bring onto the show now our our final guest. He's a writer. Um, His new book is called "In the Presence of Greatness: My 60 Year Journey as an Actress." It's really an amazing book about the life of Patty Duke, um, just one of the greatest actresses of all time, and humanitarian and she was one of the first to talk about mental illness and so much so at this time please welcome our special guest william jankowski hey or i guess we can call you bill right i guess so (laughs) hey bill hey hey guys how are you (laughs) well i know i know that you. you were you were you had called in you've been listening to the show at one point i saw that you kind of dropped away and i was like oh no i hope bill i hope i know me back <laughs> i was cursing to my boyfriend a few minutes ago about that yeah like what am i gonna do but uh oh, yeah no. i just had to hit reload and call back again and all's fine oh well we we would have waited for you no <laughs> doubt about that um say hi to my co-host ralph cole jr hey ralph how are you Oh, Bill, I am excellent. Thank you. Welcome yeah. aboard our fast-moving train. We are so happy <laughs> to have you. I have, uh, uh, you. I have things I want to say to you as the show progresses. Uh, well, first of, of all, Bill, what's, what's the best way for people to, one, connect with you and also to get the book so they can, um, can get uh, I have a website for the um, book called pattyduke.com. Patty Duke, okay. sorry, sorry, pattydukebook.com. I don't even get that right. Pattydukebook.com, all one word. And uh, this place is, I mean, you can order it on Amazon and places like that. All the that. usual spots. Yeah, yeah, usual spots. Um, Do you know, it's interesting because I didn't realize until I was in my notes that this is your first book. I mean, yeah. tell everyone, like, your your journey in terms of how you got to this point, but I'll let you talk about that. I have tons of questions about Patty, obviously, but I wanted to really talk about your career and, you know, how it started and 
how how we're at this point today. I had always wanted to. Can you hear me? Okay. Oh yeah, you sound great. Okay. Uh, okay. I had to take one earbud out because it was a little of an echo for me. Um, but um, yeah, so I had actually. Like Adam, your last guest, uh, I was listening to his great interview, and uh, you know, I was a child of the '80s, and I grew up with you know the, all the shows that you guys just mentioned, and right. I still watch and own on all on DVD. I had the Give Me a Break complete series box set from Canada. <laughs> uh, I love me some Mel Carter. It's uh, funny how it's funny how we retain this like r- yeah. worthless material in our head, but yeah, go ahead. Yeah, it's, it's great. So. Um, uh, as a kid, when I was eight years old, which would be 1988, I just turned 40 this month. Um, oh, gosh. Yeah. So uh, uh, I would watch the Patty Duke show on Nick at Night. And I was I really did think this sounds stupid, but I really did think it was two different people that she's playing two mm-hmm. different parts of how good she was. And my I remember my mom telling me about the miracle worker. And I had known Helen Keller because I'd done a book report on her in the second grade, I believe. And so I rented the Miracle Worker from my local video store, the VHS of that. And I couldn't believe that this was the same person who was on the Patty Duke show. And it was only a year apart. Uh, right. And then there was other things. Again, my mom telling me about the, that she played Annie Sullivan years later. So on the late movie, I remember I was camping in Rhode Island. I lived in New York State at the time. And uh, I had a... I, I noticed in the local TV guy, which I brought with me, the newspaper TV guy, that's how sick I was on a camping <laughs> trip. Uh, so I remember seeing the Miracle in 1979 with Patty Duke Aston, as she was at the time, and Melissa Gilbert was coming on. And so I called my friend's uh, brother, who was a few years older than myself, and uh, I asked him to record it for me. That's like I was in a panic. So, uh, you know, that was the first time I get to see that. I mean, I was just sick. Like, I would scour the TV guide every single week, and I would pray that there was some kind of way I could just search her name, Patty Duke's name. You know, be careful what you wish for. Um, <laughs> right. But, right. But, uh, right. <laughs> so I just wish there was some way to do that. And I, you know, so so anyway, you know, I would do that. And then by the time I was 16, I was 10 when I started collecting on her, really. I was eight when I became a fan. 10 in 1990 when the adaptation of her first book, Comiana, her autobiography, uh, mm-hmm. premiered on television November 11th, 1990. She played herself um, in that as an adult. And uh, I just became, there's a switch that just went off on me. And I just became like kind of obsessed in a healthy way, I think, um, after that, where I had to, you know, like I said, Skyward, the TV got every week. I just had to, I had my dad, I was 10 years old in fifth grade. I had my dad go out and buy me the, or I went to the local mall, uh, had him buy me the paperback of Call Me Anna. I'm bringing it to my free read in fifth grade. Uh, Patty Duke's autobiography, you know, in 1990, and uh, you know, I, I must have thought it was the weirdest, you know, thing. And now I'm, you know, in sixth grade, I my free read book was Fasting Your Seatbelts: A Passionate Life of Betty Davis. So it was the gayest thing <laughs> that <laughs> I had ever. <laughs> so there was, just there was no need them. to really come out of the closet. They could no, just look there really at your book, I book guess. selection. That was pretty, yeah. yeah, but nobody made me feel bad about it, you know, or anything no, no. like that. So that was that yeah. was good. Um, but um. So, so I started continuing starting at the age of 10. I started every time a Patty Duke movie was either premiering or on or came on VHS or whatever, I would buy it or tape it or um, watch it. And then when I was, I'm trying to do the math now, when I was 17 going on 18, I found her, I knew she lived in Idaho now, that she and her husband moved from Los Angeles to Idaho. And so I looked her up, our local, when I moved here to Pennsylvania in 96, 
when I was 16, um, I saw at the local Barnes and Noble, they had a uh, celebrity address book there and it was an Idaho address. I'm like, well, maybe this is a legitimate address. So I wrote a letter. I had just, I was a senior in high school at the time. I put my little wallet size picture in there. A couple of VHSs <laughs> of stuff. I figured she might not have like her guest on and Ben Casey in the sixties and even some tattletales you know, that she did, you know, the game. Oh, show in the wow. 70s. Yeah. And, uh, and I wrote a very hard, I don't remember exactly what I wrote, but I know it was a very heartfelt note and I included my email address and, you know, just kind of kept my fingers crossed. And then five days later, Lo and behold, I had an email from her husband, Mike Pierce, saying that, you know, we loved your letter. It was the nicest fan letter she'd ever gotten. Um, oh, my God. And, uh, you know, here's our email. Let's keep in touch kind of thing. And later that year, she was doing the Patty Duke reunion movie, uh, which is a television movie um, up in Montreal. And the, they got me connected with the producer of the show, executive producer. And uh, he invited me up to the set when I was 18 in Canada. Oh so that's God. the first time I met her in person. So I got to meet not only her, but the whole cast was, were reprising their roles on there. So it was like, wow, uh, it was like Mecca for me, you know? Mm. Oh my God. Talk about yeah. the generosity of her and just oh my the, God. the happenstance. Holy. I mean, you know, of, and I have of, to of say, that, Go ahead. I'm sorry. I have to say too. No, no. In between, in between that year, uh, I that email that I sent to her where they replied was in January of '98. I met her on the set in December of '98 in Canada, and in April of that year, her and her husband did an online chat that I hosted. Remember the online chats of the celebrities pre-Twitter and oh, all? You know that sure, stuff in the '90s. Right. Yeah. So I hosted one. You know, I was just shy of 18, and I hadn't even met them yet. And she agreed oh to do God. a three-hour chat for me where I invited 30-some-odd oh. people in, and she sat there for th- three hours answering questions, typing out questions, answers to questions. It was great. Talk, and again, talking about, you know, meant to be, and you guys, you, you had this connection before. You, you already had a connection to her, but after yeah. getting your letter, she had a connection to you. So Yeah. And I think there she got no a kick out of the age difference, too. She was, you know, over 30 years older than me. We're a whole different. Like I said, I just turned 40. So I was only 18 yeah. at the time. And she was already in her early 50s at that point. So, uh, you know, I, she got a kick out of that. That, um, you know, she, I remember she said to me on the set, she says, what are you looking for, a grandmother? Uh, and, uh, you know, <laughs> when we were eating lunch, you know. So my, my friend Carrie and I, she lives upstate. Or she went to school, rather, upstate in Cortland, um, New York. And so she took a train ride into Canada. I flew um, up there and uh, we just had uh, the most wonderful time on the set. And uh, she gave me a big hug when she met me and, you know, we lunch with her on the set and uh, she's very maternal. I remember she even scraped off my plate after I finished eating into the trash. Uh, And um, she, you know, she was asking me, what is it about me? You know, that does it. I said, I don't know. I said, I just saw your movie. You know, at that point, it would have been about eight years ago, and uh, something just clicked in me, and I've just had to find out more ever since then. And, uh, and she knew and, my and sincerity. Had, had you been on a set before? Any... No, never. No. So see, on so top of that, you were time. on your first set. Yeah. yeah, I was on my first set, um, so I got to – I actually stole the water bottle that she left behind, you know, <laughs> so that's how, like – geeked out I was about it <laughs> um, well sure and, uh, I, mean... I actually got to watch the first time I met her she it was in a library scene it was at the College of Montreal it was supposed to be Brooklyn Heights High in the movie and uh it was a long room 
and I was on one end and she was in the other and she came through, the cameras were set up and everything. She came through filming a scene as Patty Lane from the Patty Duke show, which is super cool to me. And uh, so she did a few takes and then she came back and uh, I was holding her Yorkie dog, her dog Cricket, which was her traveling dog. And uh, I think she was wondering who the hell this was, you know, dog before she could open her mouth, she came to me looking, kind of, you know, staring uh, at me saying like, who is that person, I guess. And I she knew I was coming to the set, but I'm not sure if she knew it was that specific day. I'm not, still not sure. And uh, Jim Green, who's the executive producer who put the trip together for me, um, jumped, literally jumped in front of me and said, um, Anna, which is Patty Duke's real name, Anna, uh, right. I'd like you to meet Billy Jankowski. I went by at the time. And uh, she just went, oh, there you are. And she gave me a big bear hug. And after I gave the dog to somebody else, she didn't squish the dog. Uh, <laughs> and... Uh, and then, uh, and then she's like, ah, what the hell? You came all the way to Montreal and she gave me another big bear hug. Um, so, I mean, again, generosity, is the word that I use to describe her the most. I mean, uh, after spending all day on the set and eating lunch and everything, like I said, we went back, we were all staying at the same hotel um, in Montreal, Queen Elizabeth. Uh, and I ran into her. I was taking a picture with Bill Shallard, who of course was her TV dad. I saw right. him in the lobby. I'm taking a picture with him. And literally she jumps into the picture. She just came back from the set and uh, she says, you know, I want to get together with you tomorrow. And so we went up to the room, their suite for three hours the following night. She, it was December. She even gave us Christmas gifts. She bought me a watch for Christmas even. I mean, wow. this is the first time meeting. This is amazing because, you know, there's always that, that, that possibility, sadly, mm-hmm. like, you know, they say, be careful when you finally meet exactly. the people you yeah. admire and they disappoint. Yeah. So I right. so love hearing how she, she went, just above, above and beyond. beyond. Yeah. You know, yes, exactly. She signed I, for, you know, I was actually collect, I let people send me things for her to sign and everything like that. And they mailed them to me and I mailed them back to them afterwards. But we counted Carrie and I afterwards in our hotel room counted over 60, six zero things she signed for us that evening. Signed stuff God. without me even asking. I remember there was an old magazine. I asked her to sign the cover um, from the sixties. And she said, do you want me to sign the article inside as well? Uh, you know, stuff like amazing. that. And we just sat around and just BS'd for three hours. It was amazing. We were only supposed to do an hour and a half because she had to get up and sparkle for the set the next morning, you know, at 5 a.m. So sparkle. Uh, um, I love hopefully, it. hopefully people will catch that. Um, is that, but, is um, that what – yeah, got it. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, we just wanted – I remember we were supposed to leave at 830. I looked at my watch, and I didn't want to leave, but I, I didn't want to say my welcome either. I said, it's 830, Anna. Maybe you should get going. She's like, oh, sit down, you know, like whatever. So we did another hour and a half. We did till 10 o'clock. So um, we doubled the time up there. It was just great. I mean, she gave me, you know, scripts from the show. She gave me her call sheets from the movie, uh, the airport sign that said Pate Duck, you know, the Montreal pronunciation of Patty Duke she signed on it that the driver had for her when she arrived. Um, So, you know, and then when we left after three hours, again, she lived in Idaho. She kissed us goodbye and said, uh, hugged and kissed us goodbye and said, you know, planes fly to Idaho too. Oh, Wow. Yeah. And then, you know, almost every year, it was a couple more years till I saw her. I saw her right after 9-11 next and we went to her house. She was doing a local play for a benefit in Spokane, Washington, which is near where she lived in Idaho. Mm-hmm. It was a wonderful experience. Uh, we got to go to her house afterwards. She let us videotape inside her house, which was amazing. Mm. Um, and uh, <laughs> every year after that, almost every calendar year, at least once I saw her, if not multiple times, and we grew, a friendship grew there so i'd always she told me all these great stories over dinner or whatever about these people she worked with and i kept thinking like shit this should be a book mm-hmm. 
And I didn't have the guts to say it until 2013 or to ask it the question, do you work on this? And that's how the book came about. And she agreed. I mean, so the idea that you'd yeah. already had this yeah. multiple years of stories and then you had, uh-huh. so, you know, it's interesting because, and Ralph chime in, if you've heard these, you know, there's, we all get as actors, you know, in the business, there's a, there's a perception of people. Right. And so, there, there had been a perception for many years that Patty was quote Anna was difficult or you know what I mean or she was yes. hard to work with and um you know as she covered as she talked about in Call Me Anna I mean she revealed so much about her own personal journey with mental illness and bipolar and for for people who don't understand Patty they really should go and research her childhood and and her her years as a child actress and just what she went through family wise and all of her personal stuff, you know, um, yeah. but there's an example where does she talk about what did you come away? Did she ever talk about the perception that she was, quote, difficult or uh, hard to work with? Because um, she talked a lot about. Um, cleaning up, as she called it, cleaning up the debris about things when she was mentally ill and not um, didn't know she was mentally ill and she was not uh, medicated. Medicated, uh, right? Uh, some of the you know messes that she had had part in, and mm-hmm. uh, you know she always says it was a you know her mental illness wasn't a reason but not an excuse for her behavior, and she felt she had to clean up the debris with a lot of people afterwards and kind of apologize. Mm-hmm. And she said whether they accepted it or not wasn't totally relevant the fact that she you know apologized she did it right Mm -hmm. cut it off her chest pretty much yeah isn't it ironic bill that patty went through this mental illness phase yet she was playing two different opposite characters Mm -hmm. on her show yeah she always joked that sydney sheldon who wrote the patty duke show uh the future novelist uh who wrote the patty duke show created it uh that he after her spending a few days at his (laughs) home with his family to try to come up with an idea, he came up with the two personalities, and she later said, "You don't know how close you were." <laughs> mm. <laughs> yeah, how yeah. ironic, um, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, the thing, the but, but on the on the upside, the positive thing about Patty Duke, um, whenever, no matter what, when people as actors, when people hear the word Patty Duke, she was one of the greatest actresses, you know, and so yes. she regardless of what people even even when they worked with her during quote the unmedicated years you know yes. it, it never took away from her work and she was always right. just revered as being so so um gifted what was she self-evasing about that you know she always seemed like she had a great sense of humor when she i would did. see her interviewed yeah like yeah. a real broad yeah. you know like right yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I always said to her, you know, people ask if you're, you are in your interviews and I always say, yeah, except your body or in person, they are in your interviews. And she laughed at that. But, uh, but, uh, you know, there's a little more, you know, four little words every once in a while that she didn't want to say on TV. But, but, um, yeah, uh, she was, you know, she, um, she didn't take herself all that seriously though. She did Mm -hmm. as an actress, but, uh, she knew her even during, she always said it amazed her even during, her manic episodes and depressive episodes um, when she was like diagnosed and unmedicated, she was still able to show up to work on time, knew her lines, knew her marks. Mm-hmm. Uh, and somehow she couldn't explain how she was still able to cope professionally, but not personally, you know, in her, in her personal life. Well, it goes to say what a strong will, you know, what a self-discipline yeah. will. And that, you know, that could go back also to sort of the rigid, 
formative years that she had, you know, yes. working as a kid. Yeah. It's That's almost mentioned like that. in our book where she talks mm-hmm. about the training that the Rosses, John Ethel Ross, who were her managers, who were not very nice people, but they did give her, you know, a start in show business. And, uh, you know, that they really, you know, she considered being on set, you know, if you're on time, you're late. Um, right. you know, and you, all that. You really, you really need all. to be early. Yeah. 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 Yes. Well, I remember again, a bunch that, of years ago, I've seen her in Wicked in San Francisco, which she did for a year. And, uh, she was kind of a, we were having lunch before a matinee, um, or a brunch, I guess. And, uh, she was, you know, saying that she was kind of upset at some of the younger cast members that were accepting mm-hmm. missing performances because they were taking commercial, uh, auditions oh. and stuff. Oh. And she just thought that was so unprofessional. Well, sure. Um, I mean, it's yeah. from that gen- different generation, but I agree yeah. it, 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 it is. And so she was also a really good mother, right? I mean, she was very, she had two, how many, oh, how many sons? Yeah. She, she, Sean uh, she and birthed, McKenzie. She broke Sean and Mackenzie Aston. And then they, uh, her and her um, last husband, Mike Pierce, they later adopted Kevin. Um, That's right. Okay. Who uh, is about 31, 32 now, I guess he would be. Yeah. Right. Um, Did you get so to know she, any of the any of the sons along the way? Um, I'd only met Sean a couple of times really quickly. The last time, you know, um, no, I'd seen him once in some memorial, but um, you know, not too well. Uh, right. Kevin came on some trips when he was younger, you know, and then when he got old enough to stay home, and you know, when his mom would go on the road and work or whatever, he didn't necessarily have to go. Um, so um, you know, but when we were working on the book, I went to their home in Idaho, and I you know, Kevin was staying there at the time as well. Um, and, uh, you know, I mean, Anna and I worked on the book basically all day. And then, you know, I recorded her, I asked her the questions, we watched YouTube videos to rekindle her memory. We looked at, I showed photos, you know, that mm. kind of thing to get her memory jogged from stuff that happened 50, 60 years ago. Right. Uh, and, um, you know, so I got to, you know, we got to eat dinners together and stuff like that. And it was nice. I mean, I'd go to the local Chinese restaurant there with Patty Duke sitting there and, you know, nobody even recognized her, which is weird. So, yeah. Well, and this is a small town, right? Where she lived? Yeah. She lived in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. It's a small town. Um, there would be looks sometimes. I remember we went into a Red Lobster one time and there were looks by these older women that were looking like, is that? you know, her, uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, but they didn't say anything, but there were times, I remember we were in an IHOP once in Maryland and um, waiting for, to be seated for breakfast. And a woman literally comes up to her and sa- starts singing the theme to the Patty Duke show. And, <laughs> and she turns to me and she goes, Jesus Christ, am I hearing what I think I'm hearing? And I, <laughs> I said, yes, you are. And she was very wow. gracious. She, you know, signed an autograph, took a picture with her and all that. But yeah. Um, yeah. She loved her fans. She hated, hated mm. celebrities who would not, who would refuse an autograph and things like that. She hated that. Uh, she's Good, like, if I'm it weren't for that. our fans, we would have no career and people need to remember that. Right. Um, That's really so powerful. She, she was of that mentality. Um, so, yeah. So, but we were working on the book, you know, we did, you know, I was there for a while at the house and just, you know, we would do basically a nine to five schedule on her living room couch or you know kitchen table or wherever we were and i was just you know uh, i recorded her on an ipad and then you know i later wrote it and went home and wrote it up um so uh you know i wanted to i approached doing the book with her i said i want to you told me all these great stories through the years they need to be in a book and a lot of the people you knew and worked with are gone and this could be like a legacy of yours you know to help you know people mm-hmm. remember them and also, I said, when you go, your stories go with you. Right. And 
you know, we, you know, we should really write them down. And she liked that approach. And that's how we started. Well, and that's kind of what, you know, to, you heard probably the conversation we're having earlier about legacy and, uh, you know, preserving and stuff like that. That's a great way um, to do it. Are you still in touch with her husband? Yeah, I actually just uh, spoke to him on the phone a couple of nights ago. Um, and, um, you know, he, he's doing very well and, uh, okay. you know, she's been gone for you know, a little over four years now. Right. Um, but, um, I haven't seen him since the memorial, but, you know, we keep in touch mostly on Facebook and text message and, you know, like stuff like that. Right. Um, but yeah, um, you know, it, I've known him over 20 years now, so uh, right. you know, it's been more than half my life and she, you know, was such an important part of my life, uh, still is. And, Right. I'm glad that at least with this book that there, you know, her memory, you know, her memory will always live on because of her work. Live on, but, right. Know, yeah. I'm glad I was able to help get her last words to her public out. Exactly. Yeah. You yeah. totally facilitated that. Bill, well, and who again, created the oh, title? Oh, yeah, go ahead. Bill, who created mm-hmm. the title? I did. Okay. Um, we were looking for a title. We could not come up with a title for the life of me. She had, what was her title that she was thinking of? The little girl who stole from the best was the, mm. it was the title she came up with. What I thought was cute, but I don't know if it would explain that much. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, um, you know, because she worked with all the greats and that's what she meant that she stole a little bit from Ann Bancroft, a little bit from right. Helen Hayes, Richard Burton, you know, the greats that she got to work with uh, in her lifetime. Um, but uh, we eventually, and I remember I was watching of all things, I was watching an episode of Parenthood. And which has nothing to do with anything. <laughs> and Craig T. Nelson said the phrase in the presence of greatness. And I'm like, oh, shit. And I wrote it down. Oh, and that was, uh, fine. Yeah. that was after she passed already. But that's what I decided it would be. And then, you know, added the, the subtitle to it. My six year journey as an actress. So it says what it is. So, yeah. Act, right. Well, thank you. Thank you, Bill, yeah. for that explanation. Oh. <laughs> well, I think it, I think it's a it's an incredible tribute to her. I, I think it's I'm so glad she this book is. There, a book came after Call Me Anna. You know, I'm glad that yeah. that we have the, that we have this one to sort of put a period on it. So she to had speak. done Call Me Anna, which was about her basic life, her life basically, not her basic life. Uh, you know, her, her right. life, and then she did do a second book called Brilliant Madness in '92 about specifically about her bipolar disorder. So I wanted this one to be focused in on her career because a lot of people. Right which I think is great. And she loved that people would come to her for help and questions. And, you know, there are stories about mental illness, but she was still a legendary actress for six decades. Mm-hmm. And I think that's extremely important and that should not be lessened. Absolutely. That's yeah. what, that was why that's exactly. Yeah. I'm with you. And that's what I meant. Like people, it's great that she helped the mental ill as well, but, but I'm glad that we got this last yeah. book. That's really about, honoring her as an actress well bill time has run out i you're yeah. such a great guy thank you so oh, much for thank you so much coming for on the so show <laughs> great to meet you um, and uh, my last question before we run out of time yeah. is obvious what is your what's your next book or what's your next uh project that I, everybody looking? keeps asking me that i'm like i'm still tired from this one uh, okay there <laughs> uh, you go but uh you know i have a couple of ideas but i'm not you know I, that are floating around in my head and um you know Possibly one yeah. one day about my friendship with her, even because there's so many great stories to tell. So, um, well, you just came up with your next title. I'm still tired from this one. That's yeah. your next title, Bill. <laughs> <laughs> but you're, I but feel you're like right, I should be though. smoking. 
I should be smoking a cigarette on the cover or something like that. Yeah. Right. Yeah, title like that. Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> but you're right. I mean, mouth. you had so much. I'm I'm sure you couldn't get it all into this one book. So we'll look. No, no. I mean, the story. Sort of... It's really her story, not our story. I mean, right. we wrote it together, but you know, it's about her career and different. Each chapter is either a different person she knew and or worked with or a, a film title, which she was associated or a television title and her stories about that. So it was broken up well, into small chapters. It's an easy read. And again, pattydukebook.com or Amazon, you know, you guys can. Well, in conclusion, can what I would love to see now would be, I would love to see the making of the book or a yes. book about your experience of doing it told from your point of view, you know, that would be very interesting, but listen, yeah. we're going to run out of time. Thank you so okay. much again. Thank you so we, much. Uh, guys, thank, you for your energy. thank you. Yay. He was fantastic. <laughs> Everybody. Thank you so much for joining us. Ralph. Love you. I'll see you next week. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for checking out One-on-One with Jasper Cole. Check out past episodes and get the latest as they're released. Subscribe today on iTunes, Stitcher, and YouTube.